I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. I'm so thrilled to be here today live and in person with Jackie Canny, Chief People Officer of Walmart. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'm glad to be here. We would love to hear about your career trajectory and how you became the Chief People Officer at the largest employer in the country. I had had many fortunate opportunities in my life, and one of them was to go to a great college, uh, Boston College, which I'm really proud of. They didn't do so well in football this season, but they're a great school. I, um, my parents really pushed to me, me to have the opportunity to do that. We couldn't necessarily afford school, so I, um, when I picked BC, we came back to the dining room table in New Jersey and put the savings bonds table you know, on the dining room table to count out just about how much the gap would be um, because I wanted to go there so badly and because my parents knew it was important. We put all our weight behind it and I went for four years there. But the, What amazing parents to support your dream like that. They were. And I was the first to go to college too. So there was a lot behind um, the responsibility of being able to do that for me. And one of the things, the criteria was not only could I go there, but I had to get a job four years later. There was a, a pay bill at the end, and I went into Fair accounting um, because I knew I could get some great opportunities. And with that, I got a great offer from Arthur Anderson at the time. And Arthur Anderson was a wonderful training ground, introduced me to lots of different industries and a lot of different experiences, but I quickly realized I enjoyed the people part of the business as opposed to just being on the client side of the business and moved my way into ultimately what became human resources. And through the, those 25 years of ultimately Arthur Anderson became Accenture, I met some amazing mentors and, and leaders who wound up pulling me through with them as they grew in their career. And one of them was a great lady named Pam Craig, who was the CFO ultimately at Accenture. She retired and went on a number of boards, one which was Walmart. And one day on a sunny April in New York, she came to me and said, hey, why, you know, why aren't you thinking about what you were gonna do next? I was having a great career at Accenture, loved every minute of it, but she pushed me to think about, could I be you know, thinking about a top job, a CHRO type of role, and knew Walmart was looking because their person was retiring, and thought my experiences, the culture that she knew of Walmart, what the CEO, Doug McMillan, was looking to do, and, and my passion might be a match. So she introduced us. And when I went and talked to Doug and learned about Walmart, the retail transformation, the Walmart transformation, and the problems he wanted to solve, but yet the opportunity he wanted to create for over 2 million associates, I was hooked and have been excited to be sitting side by side and really honored to sit next to that company in the seat that I have as the people lead. I can see your enthusiasm <laughs> in your face. It's amazing. I love it. So along the way, do you think there's anything about your career that would have been different if you had been a man? Is there something about being a woman in your career that you experienced that was unique? So, you know, my dad is a really big, was a really big influence on my life and my mom too. So my dad was basically the type that said you could do anything and it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl and I have one sister so that we didn't have any brothers but 
there was no doubt that if you put your mind to it, you could do it, whether it was make the basketball team, get an A, work really hard at your part-time job, or go to BC. You know, there was, there was not a failure in the long run was not necessarily an option. And my mother on the sidelines was saying, uh, your dad says you can do all this, but I, here's how you're going to go do this. So she was the quiet, you know, kind of inspiration, practical, practical how to get it done. So I think the two of them created an environment for my sister and I that we didn't really think gender. We just thought, what is it about us and our work that was going to be able to get us to our goals? And then when you get into the workplace, it's not always like that. The reality is there are times when gender plays. You know, I'm in a room full of men and you're a little tentative to be the voice to speak up. So you have to get over that in your head. And I know throughout my career... I had experiences where I did have to give myself a little bit of a pep talk inside or have someone, a man or a woman, pull me aside and say, you have great ideas. Say them. Don't be afraid of it. And you get better and more practice. And I think sometimes with my age, I get a little less fearful. Um, so that would be what I think has happened in my career. But it sounds like you had tremendous supporters and colleagues, mentors, peers who pushed you and yes. helped you along. How do you think our listeners should think about finding those mentors, sponsors, how can they loop in others so that one day they could get that call and have that big opportunity? Yeah, I think a lot of opportunity comes from when you do your job really well. So if you do the job at hand very well and not get so focused about the next rung, um, because I think people can get distracted by what's next and not do their job really well. But not only do you have to do your job really well, when somebody asks you to take on a special assignment or do a little extra in the work that they may be doing, and if you can do that too, or seek out those other opportunities, your network broadens. And people will start to remember when they have a new assignment, you know, get that person. They help me through a tough time and bring you along. So I think it's, it's really focusing on what you can do really well in your day job and then looking for those opportunities or grasping them when they're being offered to you and being okay with saying yes, not afraid that. to say no. Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm thinking about the stretch assignment, assignment, not just about what it teaches you, but also about the increased exposure you're getting. It's built, it's building your network. Yeah. I love that. Um, so you're working to make Walmart the best place to work. Tell us about that. What does that look like to you? Uh, the people team is focused on creating the conditions for our associates to thrive. So what is it about the conditions that we need to create? It's the best way to hire, the best development, the best way to retain our associates. And what I think is the magic of what our people team does to create this place where people can be everything they want to be with the most unlimited potential is to use our culture, our fundamental culture, and how we want to be a more digital company on top of those big processes that people teams do. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, so part of your job and part of the experience any employee has is the manager, right? Yes. In fact, it's a, probably the most influential part. So how, what do you think defines a good manager? What makes somebody a good manager? What should people look for and what should people aim to be? I think courageous conversations. I know that's something people talk a lot about, but being fearless to give feedback, positive and negative. And you can be direct but respectful when people do that. And uh, human nature sometimes, and most times, is to shy away from those kinds of conversations. So practice those conversations, giving them and also receiving them. Because receiving feedback is sometimes difficult, too. It can be, 
awkward to know that you could have done something better or even to take compliments can be can be an uncomfortable it's really hard for perfectionists like me right to get feedback it's painful so the more you practice it, I think giving and getting, the better you'll be as a manager and um, ultimately a leader. Yes. Um, the other part I think is you have to be transparent as a manager. Yeah. So you can give feedback and, and be great at that, but you also have to be transparent with the people who work for you around what are their career aspirations, what are their maybe you know development needs, what are the trajectory of the business, you know, where's the strategy of the business going and being very transparent about how that person and the team fit into that strategy. And another thing, you know, we've been talking a lot about is being present, being very one-to-one with the people on your team. So you can't manage, you know, 10 people differently. That's a very diverse group of people, whether or not they look or, or come from different places, everyone comes as, a, as their own unique person. And being a manager requires the personalization of speaking to those people one-to-one. So no one-size-fits-all. I don't think so. It's got to be custom, which means managers have to be really adaptable. Yes, and they have to spend time. It takes time to be a great manager. I think that's right. And I think a lot of people think you can just sort of walk into it one day, but like everything else, it takes practice. Yes. So you mentioned diversity. Yeah. What In what ways are you thinking about diversity, what are the things large corporations can do that really make a difference toward creating diversity or inclusiveness in their culture? Yeah, inclusion is our one of the things that is at the top of the list for our CEO. So it's really great that in makes my a seat, yes, to have a leader like Doug who is sincerely, um, absolutely focused on inclusion as a winning part of our business strategy. So um, it makes my job great to be able to support that. We look across the company and make sure that our processes are yielding the most inclusive teams and helping our leaders and our managers be able to pick the people on their team using the most diverse slates, the, not just of candidates, but of people who are interviewing for those jobs yeah. so that we have inclusion on the, the choice, the people who are making the choices. We also um, have been working on our campus strategy to make sure that we're going to the most uh, entry-level parts of our company and making sure that we're going to colleges and recruiting diverse candidates. And I, um, we have lots of programs that are focused on women as well, but one statistic that I'm really proud of that shows the results we recently got to is our e-commerce business is officially 50% men and 50% women. That's extraordinary. Yeah, it's very leadership. unusual. Congratulations. Thank you. But that's because of the hard work of the CEO, the leaders, and of course with the support of the people team. Yeah. And I think you've hit on something really important that that company should be thinking about, which is when you're interviewing, you're showing your commitment to diversity based on who you're, who's fielding the interviews, who's, who's out yes. there doing the interviews. And that's something that candidates are gauging and yeah. it gets forgotten a lot. I think introducing data and um, facts about our associates is important too. Otherwise, if you just take the people you know, mm-hmm. you're going to pick people who look like you and think like you, and that will never get to you know the diverse team that you want it to be. And Doug, you'll hear him talk about it, but diversity and inclusion is our competitive advantage. I love that. And it should be everybody's, yeah. right? And that is another kind of one of my big sticking points is I think too often we're pursuing diversity or inclusion as a social good or out of reputational risk mitigation when really everybody should be thinking about it as a strategy for success, right? Yeah. So many studies 
especially research out of Accenture, actually, out of your alma mater, demonstrates the positive impact on financial performance and stock performance of more diverse teams. Yes. But I think that that is not top of mind in every boardroom, and it should be. Yeah. You know, we recently had the opportunity to review our benefits. You know, that's something companies do on a regular basis. We uh, took the decision from feedback from our associates to increase our maternity leave, which I'm very proud of and is important for our frontline as well as our management team. But when, you know, research would say just increasing maternity benefits doesn't necessarily yield as much of this diverse and inclusive goal that you have. You have to increase paternity benefits too. No question. And right. so we did that at the same time. And I love it. That's what's exciting is thinking about inclusion as not just the mom having the baby, but the support network, her partner being able to be able to take the time that they need to. 100%. And, uh, and I love that. And I also think you all, you must know, you're in a very unique position to influence the direction of the country yes. given how many employees you have. So when you do something like that, you're filling in for something our government has not yet stepped up for. It's a great responsibility, it but is. it's one that I'm really proud of Walmart in many ways. Awesome. Well, thank you on behalf of all of us. Um, kind of along those lines, let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. How do you think about managing for work-life balance, both for your corporate employees and even you know at the retail level? I believe in choices when it comes to work-life balance, and we've recently um, given the opportunity for Frontline to be able to manage their schedule. So it can be trading shifts or picking up shifts or dropping shifts and having the flexibility to make that a more fluid experience. That's really incredible and progressive. Yes. I think it's very new. I can tell you about my days in the 90s when I was lived my whole life on call at The Gap, and it was not fun. No, so it's that's, different. Yeah, that's been fantastic. Yeah, and then, um, you know, as far as other flexibility, having the opportunity to work from home when you need to work from home, have PTO, you know, to use that time as you need to use that time. And I, um, I think that those having the flexibility to have choices is what increases this um, opportunity for women to have the, the, the ability to be at home when they need to be at home, if they're with their kids, or be with whatever's important to them. If it's not kids, it could be parents, it could be hobbies. We all need a place that we can get away from work to have that balance. Especially as the demands of work increase on all of us. Yeah. So how do you practice work-life balance? How do you make time in your life for your, your family, your husband, your life outside of work? I, uh, I, I like to think of it as, again, choices. So if I'm choosing, like, in this time here together, that I'm focused on what you're talking about and what we're doing together and really excited about that. When I'm sitting at home with my husband or my kids, I have an 18, a 19-year-old now and a 15-year-old, when I'm with them, it's, it's being really present with them. If I'm in a board meeting, it's being present there. And I think it's those very specific choices that I make that helps me feel balanced, uh, whether it's at work or at home. That is such an amazing discipline to learn yes. and practice, and I have not mastered it yet, but I am working on it every day. I think it's practice Being for me present. too. Yeah, love it. All right, so uh, oh, um, could you tell us about a mistake you've made, and what did you learn from it? Yes, well, uh, after almost 30 years of working, I have probably plenty to choose from, but one that comes to my mind was um, I was working for a great guy. He is still uh, a good coach to me um, who was really concerned about a particular piece of work. And I had a great team at the time who was taking care of this 
important assignment, but not one that I had prioritized high enough in his eyes. And when I recognized how important this particular project was to him and how somewhat disappointed he was that I wasn't feeling the same way as him about the importance of it, that I had to pivot and take on the responsibility of getting this work done. And more, more than anything about just the project, because it isn't, it wasn't ultimately that, you know, like that strategic or that big a deal, was recognizing it was a really big deal to him. And the empathy that I had to understand to translate his feelings and what he wanted so that I was responding in that way was such a good lesson. And one that I've taken with me, you know, into now, including with our current work at Walmart, you know, when you shop in a store or online, having an experience with an associate in a store, you want that customer to feel like the deep empathy that the associate has for, for your needs. And I think it's something that you can learn and you can teach. And it's one at Walmart we've put doubling down on and using VR as an example to help our associates experience moments with customers in virtual reality before it happens in reality. So they have the empathy. And then what I like to think is actually the compassion to react to that situation. It could be a crying baby in a car when you're delivering groceries, or it could be stressful moments of, you know, what, what you need to buy for a gift and, and things like that. So it's, I think empathy is something that I learned through a mistake, but understanding it deeply is what I believe has um, made me a better people lead. I love that. And I think it will would make our whole world better if everyone was just a little more empathetic, especially as we led, lead into this very busy holiday shopping yes. season. You know, those moments of sort of like road rage that we all experience. I think everybody needs a little more empathy. And, and we see so much in the workplace too, how much misunderstandings mm. can cause outsized friction or difficulty. I mean, it, it's hard to put yourself in someone else's head or realize why something might mean something differently to them than it does to you. And so important. I agree. I agree. All right. So we're going to move to our, our fast five. Okay. So uh, Jackie, what is your karaoke song? <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl I deep down. So that's where I grew up. So it's Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen. Love it. Great song. As long as I don't have to sing it. <laughs> Great song. We, we can do it together. Yeah. What is your favorite way to exercise, either your mind or your body? I've become a big fan of Headspace. Oh, I love Headspace. Yeah, it's a great app, and it keeps getting better. Yeah. They're, they're doing a great job. Yes, and I think that actually that work that you do on Headspace helps helps with the, the being present, the mindfulness. Yes. And it, it, but it takes a lot. It takes so much practice. It's hard to believe that it is a skill you can acquire, but it is. I agree. Um, so who, dead or alive, would you want to have dinner with? Uh, my father passed away, and deeply, I would love to have dinner with him another oh, time. That's lovely and, and meaningful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what book has had a great impact on your life? When I took the role at Walmart, I uh, had the opportunity to read uh, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal, which is a great book for anybody who's trying to think about uh, big company or complex organizations and how to make them more agile and simpler. And the analogy is one I would not have thought of, um, but when you read that book, I think you, you, it's very translatable to basic, basic business problems. Love it, I'm going to read that. Go for it, yeah. Okay, and uh, at Fairy God Boss, we have a tradition. We ask all of our participants to brag. So Jackie, can you brag for us about something you are very good at? Oh, I 
think at work, I'm a very good connector. I love connecting dots. So, you know, thinking about what is someone good at, what does this person need, and making those matches, it excites me. I, I love watching the, the collisions of goodness. It's exciting. I love it. And what could be better than a collision of goodness? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm thrilled to be connected to you. So me too. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to leave our audience with one piece of career advice that you think they would all benefit from knowing. I think that uh, most people who are striving to whatever it is, the next level in career or to aspire to something else, we carry as women, especially a lot of stress with that. And it's finding a way to just not be so stressed about it and leaning into what we're really good at, whatever it is, your capability, your talent, and, and doubling down on it because nobody else can do it like you and letting go of the stress of being like anybody else. That would be my advice. Well, I think it is great advice and I'm going to practice taking it myself. So thank you, Jackie, for spending time with us today. We're thrilled to have you here at Fairy Godball. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.